Hey, welcome to Freeway Church Online. I hope that you're excited to be here. This is our Sunday service message. If you haven't given us your feedback about our podcast, please let us know. We'd love to know what you think and how we can make this better. Um, but welcome, 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 and enjoy this message. Have you ever heard this story? Uh, it's a Greek mythology story of Sisyphus. Have you ever heard this? This is a, a classic Greek mythology story. Let me tell you, this guy named Sisyphus, this is the story, okay? The guy, uh, he was the first king of what the city of Corinth would become, and he wasn't the best king. He was kind of mischievous. In fact, very mischievous. He seduced his niece. That's super uh, mischievous. He violently murdered people during dinner parties. So he was like this, he was a pretty bad dude, right? But he was clever and he figured things out. And so to be punished, he was sent into the afterworld, the underworld, and he tricked death himself into escaping and he, and, he, and he abandoned the underworld. And then the story goes that he gets sent again to the underworld and then he tricks the queen of the underworld and tricks her to actually go back into real life. And so he's cunning and he's tricksy and he's doing all these things. And so the, the gods, this is the Greek myth, this is the myth, the gods get mad at him and punish him to an eternity of work. And his job is for the rest of his life to roll this giant rock up a hill, only to find that as he reaches the top, the rock rolls back down. You've heard of this, yes? And he has to do it again, right? He has to, even though the rock rolls back down, he has to go get the rock and roll it up the hill again, trying to get to the end, but only finding out that the rock's going to roll back down. Forever, this is what he's punished to do. Now, this little myth, though there's lots of myths in Greek mythology, this one itself kind of rings true to all of us in some way because of the futility in rolling that rock up the hill and seeing it fall down. You've heard of the word an exercise in futility. In fact, many philosophers say that this idea uh, of man's search for meaning is much like uh, Sisyphus rolling up that stone. People searching for meaning. Uh, this is what philosophers would say. They're searching so hard. What is the point of mankind only to find their life is meaningless and there is no point. And they tried all this hard work and the rock just rolled down the hill. This is what uh, philosophers would say. But more personally, we feel like that a lot of times in our lives. Uh, it could be work and having to fill out that report for the hundredth time, knowing that nobody reads those reports and everybody knows what you're going to write anyway. So, but you got to do it nonetheless. Or it could be a, a thing at work like that, or maybe it's a relationship where you're trying to roll that rock back up the hill only to find that it's going to come tumbling down. You send those texts, you make those calls, you do those meetings, and you find that people always fail you, right? This idea is kind of in our hearts, this exercise in futility. And I think that if we really think about it, it, it becomes quite a depressing moment for all of us to see that life sometimes feels a lot like that. In our culture, that life can feel like we're doing things for no reason at all. I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but this is kind of the idea we're talking about today. My name is Roy. I'm the pastor here. I'm so thankful that uh, you guys came today. And, and those of you online, welcome, welcome. We're glad you're here as well. Huge shout out to everybody who helped this weekend. Today we're talking about uh, 
uh, truth. Last week we talked about faith. This week we're talking about truth. Um, a lot of uh, the information I'm getting uh, today comes from this book called Why I'm a Christian by Norman Geisler, and there's some stuff by Ravi Zacharias and all these different things, but I thought I should shout out. This is like a book I got in college. I don't know. There's college books you keep, and there's college books you throw away so, or sell. This is one of the ones I kept. Um, so this is what we're talking about today. Last week we talked about faith. Somebody say faith. Yes, faith. We talked about the fact that how do you know God is real? You don't, okay? So if you're exploring faith, how do you know God is real? You have to exercise your faith in order to believe in him. It can kind of be like a series of steps. If you're down here and you're trying to figure out if God is real, you have to have a step of faith to believe that he's real. And then once you believe that he's real and you're walking in that, it turns out there's always another step for you to take in faith. And you've taken another step of faith. And every single one of you are on a different step when it comes to your faith journey. It's hard to remember that back then it took a step of faith to believe in God, but it did. And now there's another step for you that you have to exercise your faith to believe. The Bible says that you cannot please God without faith. And so there's always before us another step to learn and to grow in exercising our faith. I, I would even say that it takes faith to believe in many things that you don't, you and I have never seen. For instance, I've never been to Russia. Is Russia actually real? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you can tell me it's real, but I've never been there, right? I'm pretty sure I believe that God is real more than I believe that Russia is real. I'm not really down there on the steps anymore. But yes, we know that Russia is real, right? There's evidence that it's a true place. But nonetheless, you and I have to learn how to exercise our faith and figure out what we believe and what we don't believe. Can I tell you a secret? Nobody was born a Christian. Nobody is born a Christian. You may say that I went to church as a young child. You still were not born a Christian. There are people that are born as a Jew and people that are born into Islam. But you cannot be born, and no one is born as a Christian. You have to decide to be a Christian. Every person has to decide. And if you've just been kind of going with the flow, you go to church because your parents went to church and their parents went to church, you may find yourself in a good spot because we do believe that scriptures lead us to all truth. But you may also find yourself struggling to think and grasp in the reality of, that, of the, complex, the complexity of this world and the questions that you and I have. The truth is, and the sad truth about it, is that until you think critically about what you believe, you are no different than any other person born into a different culture or under a different holy book or even born into a cult. There's no difference because you have not exercised this idea of understanding why you believe what you believe. So it's incredibly important to start looking at your faith critically and to say, okay, what is this all about? And there's lots of ways you can do this, but I can tell you this, your faith is only as strong as your doubts. Your faith is only as strong as your doubts. Show me your doubts and I'll show you your faith. Uh, I find your lack of faith 
disturbing. That's what Darth Vader says. Uh, like, so show me your doubts and I can show you your faith. You have to wrestle with them and grow with them to figure out what it is that you believe and why you believe it. Luckily, we have the church. This is why, one of the reasons why we gather together and that we aren't lone rangers with Jesus. Uh, we have a church and we're supposed to build relationships with one another so that when things come our way, we can bounce ideas. Iron sharpens iron. We can grow with one another. So if you do have lots of questions, great. There are most likely there are people in this room or even people on, in the online community who have answered these questions for themselves. And so don't be afraid to say, hey, I don't know why we believe in a God that murdered a million people during the dark ages. What, what's up with that? That's a question mark I don't know what to do with. Go and ask someone. Build a relationship and grow so that your doubts don't just remain doubts, but you can actually explore them. Hear me, if we believe in ultimate truth in Jesus, and, um, you know, spoiler alert, I'm a pastor and this is a church, so I'm going to say that Jesus is truth. Uh, but if we believe that ultimate faith is in Jesus, then exploring and searching for truth, we will find Jesus, and we don't need to be afraid of those doubts and those questions. Everybody, let me tell you, tr truth is a person. Truth is a person. Um, let me read to you this question in the Bible where, it's, where the Bible asks, what is truth? If I can find it. Yes, it's in John chapter 18. It says this, then Pilate, would, Pilate, this is when Jesus is about to die, uh, then Pilate went back to his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question? Or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and your leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. So he's talking about truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people. The mic going out? You want me to switch? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you today for your word, and thank you for this moment that we have to explore what truth is. May you reveal truth to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're here we have this moment in Scripture where God sets up a divine appointment. A divine appointment. Uh, old school preachers used to use the word divine appointment all the time. And I like it because it's this idea that God is putting pieces together to create an appointment first for you or for someone around you. And God is setting up a divine appointment for Pilate right here in Scripture. I think about Pilate all the time because I can imagine him as a fake leader, one endowed with power from Caesar. He's not Caesar. He's the governor, right? But he doesn't have this supreme authority, but he kind of has to act like the king, right? So he's got like these insecurities coming up, and he's meeting with this guy who claims to be king. And I can imagine in this moment that Jesus and Pilate kind of wants to have a, like a bro to bro conversation or like okay so you say you're king oh well, I'm supposed to, you know like let's talk about this idea of kingship 
And, and to put it even further, his wife, uh, Pilate's wife, has a dream about Jesus uh, beforehand. So God has been kind of setting up these pieces for this meeting. And I wonder what the story continues to be like. Because if we look at the story of Pilate, this is the end of Pilate's role in, this, in the Bible. But I wonder if Jesus kind of got under his skin at this moment. Kind of God put a seed that would grow into something more. Because God is planting these divine appointments in all of our lives. He's desperately trying to get your attention, and he'll even use you to help other people know him. This sounds like in the morning you're praying, and God puts someone on your heart, and so you just text them because you feel like maybe you should. Well, a lot of times when you text someone that thing that God may have impressed upon your heart, five other people may text that person at the same time. Why? Because God is setting up an appointment. And so it's important as Christ followers that we follow these nudges and leaders. But that's a side note to what the story is today. The story today is what is truth? And Pilate asks the question right here, what is truth? We have to learn and have to some sort of quest for what truth is. We live in a postmodern society, which means that we believe that truth is relative. And whether or not uh, you believe that, our culture believes it. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, truth for you is different than truth for me. This is why a religious conversation with anyone who believes something different than you can be quite uh, cordial and nice and peaceful. I have all these uh, family members who don't believe in Jesus, uh, but we have great conversations. Why? Because I'll say, well, God changed my life. He's the ultimate being. He's the source of all hope. Like he's all of this stuff. He's, he's light in the darkness. He's like everything to me. And like, oh, wow, well, that, that's great for you. That's so great for you. Yeah, I don't believe in deities. I don't know. I don't know if we can know all of that. But yeah, man, that's so good. Like, praise God. Or they don't say praise God. I say praise God. They say, yeah, good job, man. That's so great. Well, in this moment, uh, my truth is that we have this ultimate truth and supreme being, and their truth is they don't really know that truth can be real uh, or knowable, and somehow we're just having a nice conversation about it. But the reality is those two things can't be congruent. That's why science is the best in math, right? Science and math, you can't really bend the truth much, can you? Like the speed of sound is 761 miles per hour. You go above the speed of sound, you're now the speed of sound, you're now flying faster than the speed of sound. If you're going below the 761 miles an hour, you're going slower than the speed of sound. There's no like... Uh, your speed of sound is different than my speed of sound. The truth is, it's 761 miles per hour, which is slow, if you ask me. It seems slow. I don't, I don't know. It just seems light. The speed of light is much faster. But you and I as Christians have to find ourselves on this quest for truth, right? Let, let me remind you, last week we talked about faith. And if we were to start with a blank slate, is God real? You have to answer that question. Is God real? If he is, great. Like we can go from step zero to step one. God is real, okay? Wonderful. We're going to believe that. But now what? Now what? Which God? Is he knowable? I don't know. Which holy book should I read? Should I follow the God of TikTok? I don't know. Like, which, what, how do I figure this out? Uh, I, I have to figure out what's next after believing that God is real. And so the question and the, the, uh, the thing I'm proposing to you today is that Jesus 
is the God that you and I believe in, the God of the Bible, the God of all of this that we're going to read today. And again, spoiler alert, I'm a Christian minister, so I'm just going to believe this together. But nonetheless, if you're having faith, uh, doubts about this, great. Go figure this stuff out. Go search for truth. Start a quest for truth. But let me explain to you what we believe. We believe that Jesus is truth. John 1.1 says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you read John chapter 1, maybe the most important chapters of the Bible, there's lots of important chapters, the Word, uh, it says, in the beginning, the Word. That word, Word, is the Greek word logos, or logos, or lagos, however you pronounce it. It's an ancient, it's an ancient uh, language. And it means back then, for the Greek people hearing these words, this, this, is, this, this means the reasoning. The reasoning became flesh. The reasoning, or the truth, or the understanding, or the, the working of truth became flesh. This is why it's such a this is why such a powerful word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word already existed. And the word became flesh. So when we read the Bible, we believe something amazing. That truth becomes a person. Not a list. Hear me. Truth is not a list. Truth is not a list of do or don'ts. Truth is not a list of Ten Commandments. Truth, there's more to truth than a list. It is a person. In the context of person, of this person, we find our meaning, our meaning. God reveals, Jesus reveals God to us. Stay with me. Jesus reveals God to us. It says this in John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Who has revealed God to us? Jesus has revealed God to us. You know, when we read the Bible, you may find yourself asking, is this thing true? We, uh, you can read all of the stories, and uh, we know for sure, uh, take, let me take a step back from Pastor Roy into like Scientific Roy, which doesn't exist, but that's okay. Uh, we know for sure that Jesus was alive. Like, like no one is questioning the truth about the personhood of Jesus. It's, it's one of the most historically documented characters, historic, like figures of history. Like we can't, we can't uh, refute the fact that if Jesus was real. The thing we have to refute if we're going to really argue Jesus in the Bible is, is what he said and what he did, did it really happen? The problem we have, of course, is that when we read scripture, if we are to critique it, the Gospels themselves, whoever wrote the Gospels, they believed that what they wrote actually happened. So you can't, you have this problem if you're trying to refute Jesus as being God, is that the people who wrote the Bible them, it, themselves, they believed wholeheartedly that what they saw is it happened. So you're in this tough spot because you have to somehow figure out a way to disprove Jesus. And the Bible has lasted far out all these other things. And you're in this position where, you're, where the, the evidence is overwhelmingly the case that Jesus is real. And what the Bible says about him is true. But if you are struggling with Jesus, you have, you have to come to one of two decisions. The first decision is 
these are, this is the decision you have to make between. Is God, Jesus, a crazy person? He's either a crazy person that does ridiculous things, that says crazy stuff, that nuts, all this stuff happens. He's, he's either a crazy person or everything he said is true. That's the decision you have to make. You don't get a middle, you don't get a middle ground. You don't get a, well, he was true about this stuff, but not about this stuff. He's actually, everything he claimed to be was right, or he was a crazy person. Like, you need to, like, that's the decision you have to make. And if you're going to believe the Bible and believe that this person of Jesus, the author said who he said he is, you're going to be in this position where you have to then accept everything about what God said, which is an interesting position to be in. Because in our culture, we like, like, smorgasbords and buffet lines of truth. Let me put all the truths out in a buffet line. Hopefully it has sushi at the buffet. I like good buffet sushi. D- dangerous if you get sushi at a buffet. Dangerous, but it's nice to have the option. You know what I'm saying? So you got your crab rangoons or whatnot. You, this is an, clearly an Asian buffet. Uh, you, got, you have all this buffet choices in front of you. And our culture likes to say, okay, well, if these are all the truths, I like this one. I'll put some on my plate. Oh, and I like this one. I'll put some on. Oh, almond cookies? Yes, I'll have five of those. And, uh, but this stuff? What is that? What is that, like, shrimp mixed with? I don't know what that is. I don't want any of that, right? I'm going to take this one. In our culture, it's very much of like, well, what do you like? Take what you want and leave the rest. Chew up the meat and spit out the bones. This is the kind of the way our culture approaches truth. The problem, of course, with Jesus is that he's either everything he said he was or he's a crazy person. Like, those are your choices. You can't say, well, I like what Jesus said about loving your enemies, but I don't like the thing he said about losing your life to follow him. I'm just going to ignore that part of the buffet line and keep going. We have to accept the whole thing. Why do I always say, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible? Because there's so many pieces in the buffet line that we have to eat, (laughs) and we have to test, and we have to learn, and we have to understand, because we have to accept the whole thing if we are to follow Jesus, or we have to reject it all. That's our position. And so we find in Jesus truth. And anytime we find truth, we find meaning and purpose around it. Think about it for a second. Anything that you believe wholeheartedly affects who you are. Like, uh, do you like Crocs? Maybe if you really like Crocs, you end up buying them, right? Like all of these, and and to a, a much deeper sense, if you believe in God, you'll act one way. And if you don't believe in God, you'll act another way. Truth always creates purpose and meaning. What's Jesus's purpose? Purpose. Well, guess what? He says it. In John 10, 10, he says, the thief's purpose, this is Satan or, you know, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life or a life more abundant. There's lots of different translations. That's John 10, 10. You may be wondering why our church starts at 10, 10. This is why it starts at 10, 10, because of John 10, 10. Uh, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's the purpose of Jesus. Um, Alyssa and I moved to Albion in um, Thanksgiving-ish, yeah, Thanksgiving-ish time. And before that, we were pastors at another church, and um, it was very much a job for us. It was, we knew it was a, we knew it was a pause moment as we continue our career to be lead pastors that God was leading us to kind of help a church in a situation. But it definitely turned into a job. 
Like, it was a full, it felt like a secular job. Like, I was get, having a tough time at some points. The whole family, we would pray every morning for me before I went out the doors, uh, me and the kids, because we wanted to do our best to represent Jesus in a place where we didn't really like it. And so we learned and we grew together during a very hard time. But now that we came to Albion, we adopted this truth for our family that we are called to freeway for such a time as this. Not just Roy as his job or Alyssa as her part-time worship leading job, but all of us, me, Alyssa, the kids, everyone, we're called to freeway for such a time as this. Now you may disagree with this and think that that's a little crazy, but for me and my kids and my family, it's, it's great. Why? Because it brings meaning to what we're doing and why we're doing it. My kids never ask, why do we have to go to church? Maybe once or twice they say, wow, why do I have to go? And it's like, it's like just understood. You have to go because we were sent here for such a time as this. Like we, it is understood in our family is the reason or the purpose because the truth of why we're called. And I think that this is important for us. And if you're asking if that's unhealthy for my kids, it's totally not. They love it. They love uh, Freeway. They love Kids Way. They think it's their church over there. They have, I have to calm them down all the time about things that are happening uh, because they're so passionate about being a part of this church. And can I tell you a lot of you guys really help with that so thank you so much for those of you who are like loving on our kids and making them feel at home i know for preacher kids it can get a little weird uh to have but but you guys do a great job and you're such a supportive church so thank you guys so much for doing that but we my kids even find their meaning in their purpose in this truth of being called and being called isn't even that big of a truth compared to truths about who jesus is but the question, of course, today is what is truth? What is truth? If we are to go back to Pilate for a minute, truth is standing right in front of him. He's asking what is truth? And Jesus, in chains, beaten and broken and about to die again, is standing there. Truth is a person. Now, we can get all bent out of shape about the way our culture is going and what's happening around us. And you watch TV or you watch the internet and you think this is nuts, all this stuff's happening. But can I tell you that like truth is a person. And if we, and if we go after God and learn to believe in him and learn to trust in him and take step after step in our faith, we will find our purpose within that truth. Um, we're going to end here, and we're going to end in just a little bit. So, Alyssa, are you, you can come on up. But Yeah, she's coming. Um, Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, 28 says this. And, uh, yeah, I'll just read it. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden and the burden I give you is light. I was talking to someone earlier. Why aren't Christians known for our rest? You know, because we know Jesus; He gives you rest. Anyway, a lot of times we can feel like life is much like a big work project. Like everything is hard 
It feels like life is just the first hard thing after the next hard thing. And it can almost feel like you're struggling to swim or you're, you're, you're drowning in the midst of the chaos of life. And it becomes like this thing where it becomes like the worst. And in our dark moments, hear me, in our dark moments, we ask real questions a lot of times. What am I here for? What's this, what am I doing? What is this all about? Why do I keep having to go into work? Why do they want me to wear that? It's ridiculous. Like, uh, why, what is all this about? In our dark points, we say, does anyone really love me? Does anyone really care? Why am I trying so hard when it all feels like futility? And we all have those dark moments. And we all have those questions as we learn to walk in our faith. But can it, it can feel a lot like Sisyphus, pushing that rock up the hill. Like everything we do is sweat. Everything that we do is hard. Everything that we do is complicated. And so Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble. And so this idea, this whole thing, the whole reason we're talking about this today is because many of you are Christians, most of you. Like we, we, we have this shared understanding. But until we think critically about what we believe, we will miss all the good stuff about faith. If in, in those dark moments when you're having, when you're questioning, is God real or whatever, and you have this nagging sense in your brain that I'm just gonna shut that off, that's nothing. I shouldn't, I shouldn't even approach that. You're gonna miss the fact that you are having a heavy burden in your life and you are having a lack of purpose in your life. And that's okay because when you go to Jesus, he provides purpose for you and he provides rest for your soul. And you learn to walk step by step in faith to have purpose and reason and truth in your life. If you can stand with me today, we're going to end here. I uh, had to stop adding Bible verses, right? Because like we could just use so many Bible verses today. Well, there's a story, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, he goes to Pilate. Pilate says, what is truth? Truth is standing in front of him as a person. Uh, truth dies, truth dies. And the truth is raised back up to life. And, uh, and then uh, this, this incredible moment happens. If you remember scriptures, the disciples, they're in a room. You remember this? And Jesus appears. You're like, you're like where, Jesus, where'd you come from? Like, you're just in here. Like, and then Thomas is like, I can't believe it's you, Lord. And then he like lets him like touch the holes in his hand or in his side. Remember that story? Well, a lot of times we look at that and we say, wow, Jesus is a magician. He's like, I don't know. Did he close the door really silently? How did he get in the room? And uh, we think about Jesus as like this mystical smoke monster or nice smoke monster who just approaches things and appears and it's magic and whoosh, whoosh, like all of this stuff. But the reality is that Jesus is truth. That Jesus is what God, what God used to paint the universe into existence. Jesus is heavier, more real, and more uh, just there than even the air that you and I breathe. He's so real that it's like a giant rock placed in a river. The reality flows around him. Do you understand? When he appears in the room, light bends, sound moves, uh, the, the, everything shifts because Jesus is the real thing. And here we are, 
trying to figure out who God is and all of our ideas. And we're like, well, we like this and we don't like this. Or I feel this way and I don't feel this way. And Jesus is so patient as a person to say, hey, I'll wait for you. Because we, we make Jesus like this, like a mystical thing that we might catch, but he's more real than you and I can imagine. And when everything is gone and everything is said and done, the things that will last are Jesus and, and God and the things that he created. And so we're at the point today and we'll end here um, with this, with this uh, beckoning that Jesus has. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heaven burdens, and I will give you rest. For some of you, you need to, be, you need to start thinking about your doubt in re, for real. But some of you have, are burdened with your thinking. Come to Jesus. It takes a step of faith, but he'll give you rest. Let's end here. Hey, we're glad you joined us today on the podcast. We are praying for you. So please let us know what we can do. Uh, we're on your team, always here. So um, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.